go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Mr. Joe Spiegel, and sitting across from me is the ever impossibly Mike Ishi. Mike Ishi? Mike Ishi, and you say Mike. I what the fuck is Mike Ishi? Oh, we had this tandem thing going, man. The Big League Mike. The Big League Mike? <laughs> All right. This is our... I said Big Lee, not Big League. All right. Good for you, man. Big Lee. Big Lee. The, the fucking thing that you made up before Donald Trump even said I make up a lot of shit, dude. I don't remember half of it. All right. Doesn't surprise me. This is our Hitman's Bodyguard episode. We're going to talk about that fine film starring Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Ryan Reynolds. We'll also be talking about my flick of the week, which is going to be the horror film called The Eyes of My Mother. The horror film? Horror. Horror. Horrors? Hor- the horror. The horror. Okay. And yours, Mr. Man? Woo. Navy Seals. <laughs> God. <laughs> Carrie Sheen. Michael Bean. Mm. Fuck, fuck Joe Boo. Tar- Charlie Sheen is about to be America's most accidental hero. He's going to be coming out with a movie soon that's going to tell the truth about the events of September 11, 2001. Holy shit. And it's going to be epic. Epically bad. It's going to be awesome. Lee bad. He's going to whip it out and tiger piss all over everybody. Yeah. All right. I can't wait to see so it. so fucking stupid. I think this movie is going to be Whoopi Goldberg's third worst decision ever. Third? Yes. What was his first one? <laughs> Theodore Rex. <laughs> I said his. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second one's uh, marrying Frank Langella off of the set of Eddie. So, because that, that's just a fucking combo of people. Because I, I, she did it for true love. I, I, or he's... I, yes, or it's absolutely true, Rick. I, I, Morty, I don't, I don't know, Morty. I just... I don't really want to think about it, Morty. You understand? So Whoopi Goldberg marrying <laughs> Frank Langella's is something that Hollywood always wanted. Oh, yeah, just like Major a movie... celebrity Just like a coupling. movie with Whoopi Goldberg um, hooking up with Ted Danson. It's like a king and a queen... It's just it's just an odd combination of people. I she's not a love interest. Whoopi Goldberg is not a love interest type character actor actress. Anyway, the Hitman's Guide to House Cleaning, something like that. Hold on a second, I gotta look that up. What the fuck? Shut up. Well, apparently it's look for, here, Rick. You shut up. I'm gonna look something apparently up. Apparently, it's for hitmen that have to be cleaners as well. They don't have a wolf to come by and help out. It's a fucking movie. What what is this? A sensational book. I don't know, but I'm go to Wikipedia. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I'll do that. <coughs> Croatian mafia. Oh, there there you go. Icelandic in the author's own translation as Oh, yeah. It's also been translated into Dutch, German, Czech, Russian, Polish, Danish, and Italian. Just kind of a weird Okay, so after fighting on the Croatian side in the Croatian War of Independence has moved to New York City and become a hitman for the Croatian Mafia. His 67th victim is an undercover policeman and he has to flee the country. Hey, Mr. Mister fucking Tangent. What? Can I finish doing our intro to the show? I saw this and I was like, holy this shit. This episode, can I do that? No, you can't. Please. No. 
Show me some freaking respect here. No. All right, go ahead. <laughs> no. All right. So, we're also going to talk about some, I don't know, news, trailers, because there's a new fucking Medea movie out there, babies. All right. We're also maybe talk about the Game of Thrones finale, season finale, maybe the death of Toby Hooper. Maybe. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Maybe some Hellboy news as well. Uh, I totally forgot about that, too. All right. Because the whitewash is on, my friends. I forgot about that. All right. All that and more. A couple of hours, Joes. Take it away. I forgot about that. Catherine. Forgot about that. Catherine. Let's go with a new name. You're going to call me Catherine? You ever seen a fat white dude named Catherine before? Dude, don't you ever... Have you ever watched Scrubs? Not as much as I should have. Okay. Dr. Cox... Oh, yes. I love when you talk about that. Whenever he's talking to Zach, we'll call him a different girl's name. Barbara. Okay. Take it away, Barbara. Take it away, Elsa. No, take it away, Barbara. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> Oh, I did watch uh, Stan Against Evil. I finally watched the whole first season. Oh my gosh. It's not bad. It, it, it needs some help. It needs help, but it's... Uh, John C. McGinley is fucking great. Season two coming out this year. Yeah, make or break, you think? I think so, I but mean, I saw the trailer. Have you seen the trailer for season two? No. Would you like to watch season two trailer? Sure, fuck it. Let's stand against evil too. Season two, stand against evil. Because I love John C. McGinley. I read someone's complaint about the show, and it is that the show, each episode's too short to get into the mythology of each demon that they encounter. Yeah. Dana doesn't seem to put too much into each episode. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, I just totally pulled a Rick. I don't know. Marty! Do you know how much more you could do if you had this on a channel that doesn't have commercials so that you could actually do an entire 30-minute show for 30 minutes? And then you could have that you'd have enough time, I think, per episode to to maybe get a little more into each demon's backstory and anything else that has to do with these main characters. I don't know if you really need demon backstory, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It needs it needs to be on a channel, I, and I don't know if IFC actually has that many commercials. It doesn't really seem to. It doesn't to me. I mean, it's been a while since I, I watched. All I know it, is so. that on my Hulu, when it was on there, and, and there's no commercials because I pay that extra five bucks, so I don't have commercials. Um, is twenty two minutes? It, yeah, it's like it's either tw- it's between twenty and twenty two minutes every time. Right. Sometimes it's a little bit shorter, but um, yeah. So a third of the show, literally a third of the fucking show, is going to commercials. So imagine if that extra nine, nine or eight, eight or nine minutes goes on there. Right. So this Do you is, know who I thought that actor was? They're recapping. I thought that one. that was the the Aaron Burr. Aaron guy Burr from the uh, it's not. I know he's way younger. The Aaron Burr guy is from the People Under the Stairs. Yeah, the People Under the Stairs. I know. I looked up the actors and stuff, and uh, yeah, it's not. But he looks very similar to him, huh? It was like he, he fucking knocked somebody up and they uh, had a kid. Are you paying attention to the fucking trailer? I'm kind of am, but I wanted to get on this fucking tangent before I forgot it. Why don't we watch the goddamn trailer? <laughs> you want me to shut up for 90 fucking seconds? stoner. We're, we're, I, I got to talk while watching it. So. All right. <laughs> He's always... <laughs> I love his reactions. 
Women, you always got to be right. <laughs> See, Kevin, that's <laughs> Dana Gold. <laughs> More monsters. Oh. Did, yeah, I just saw... Um, oh, God damn it. Trevor from... The guy who plays Trevor in Grand Theft Auto Five. He's on The Walking Dead. He was. He also does the voice of Earl... Of uh, the snake. There he is again. The snake. The fucking octopus dude from... Um, oh, my God. Why can't I remember it? Truck Boat Truck. Truck Boat Truck. Yeah. <laughs> early. He plays early from... Um, Squidbillies. Oh, that's why. Okay. Squidbillies is one of those things where I came across something that I need to watch TV for like 10 more minutes before I go to sleep. And then there's Squidbillies. So I watch part of the episode. I'm, I'm, immediate, I'm turned off by its crassness. Really? It just, it just, I, I, I'm, it, this sounds like judgmental bullshit. I'm not trying to be. It's just, it, I'm not into that style. It, it's too, it's too, over the top redneckish for me. Okay. I know it's a comedy. You don't t- I don't take it seriously. I it's just not my it's not my taste. Okay. I've given it plenty of chances. I've watched it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even that fucking sheriff is like, God, get the fuck out of here. Mm. All right. So anyway. <laughs> mm. There you go. We saw the fuck you. <laughs> Ooh. Let's get this goddamn movie out of the way. Shall we? Mm-hmm. Shall we? Mm-hmm. All right. Mike, before we went to see this movie, with all the trailers that were leading up to it, how much anticipation did you have for it? Especially, I, had, I had a pretty good amount of anticipation. Especially because of that first Red Band trailer, right? Right. And me as well. I had a huge amount of anticipation, but the closer we were getting to it and the fact that I wasn't hearing a whole lot of hype about it, that was giving me the warning signals. Like, you know... Uh, you know, like it's not going to be screened in advance for critics, or if, or the you know something, right? Mm. But anyway, mm. I was I was worried that the movie would be one of those trailer only good movies, right? Mm. Where all the good shits put in the trailer. Mm. Are you going to do it the whole fucking show? <laughs> I'm doing a Tina. Fuck. <laughs> oh my god. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay. <laughs> god damn it, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking spike, I tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so I, I I was worried that this movie might you know be funny only in the trailers, right? Right. So right, right. finally, we ended up seeing the weekend that came out. If we had gone and seen this, I wouldn't have heard so much negative press about it. Can, can I point something out? What I'm on the director's Wikipedia page. Yes, Patrick Hughes is an Australian film director. Biography. Hugh started making short films when he was young and spent three years in film school. That's it. <laughs> then he made a string of high-profile commercials and shorts, and then he directed the a movie yeah. called Red Hill, mm-hmm. and then he directed Expendables 3. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. he's going to do a remake of The Raid Redemption. Yeah. Yeah. You know what fits hand-in-hand hand with that? Nothing. The, the writer. The writer of the film. What's his name? Um, Jack me off. <laughs> I think Tom it's Tom, O'Connor. Tommy O'Connor. Yeah, it's Tommy O'Connor. You, you said did, Tommy O'Connor? Yeah. Did you say Tom? <laughs> Tom like O'Connor. you know him? No. Look at uh, that guy. That's not him. That's Orville Redenbacher. Tom O'Connor. Okay, you got to find him on IMDb. That's how I found him. I was able to look up his bio. Dude, I can, you, I can find anybody. Do you want to know what he's done? 
and his vast <laughs> amount of reported bio. The man has done. That's not him. That's a, yes, I know. It's <laughs> Orville Redenbacher. Dude, just go to uh, right here. Hitman's Bodyguard. There you go. Oh, he looks like Joss Whedon. Yeah. He looks so, like a mutant version of... So the only, <gasps> oh, the only thing that he has credit with writing besides the Hitman's Bodyguard is the 2012 straight-to-video, except in Portugal. In Portugal, it was in theaters for a little bit. The 2012 straight-to-video Bruce Willis movie called Fire with Fire. Dude, it's got Josh Duhamel, Josh Rosario, Duhamel. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, I know. But yet, I remember seeing um, it sucked trailers for this movie. It's a wasted movie. It's one of those straight to video. Jeremy Coleman. It's one of those movies where Bruce Willis would you'd pay him three million dollars or whatever, and he'd show up and he'd do about three scenes, and then that way they they could put his face on the front of the fucking cover, make him look like the you know the main character of the movie, and then they they end up selling you know selling a lot of copies or renting out a lot of copies, whatever you want, mm. right? So anyway. Yes, that's what Tom O'Connor has done. He's done. So, let me get this straight. You're going to have him. I, I, I want to know when he wrote this. I guarantee. It's been five years in between the two movies. Yeah. We forgot to add that. I guarantee you. Well, I said 2012. Mm. Oh, oh, wait. I'm sorry. Some people are slow with putting, you know, adding, you know, 12 to 17. But. Mm. <laughs> the fucker. <laughs> I have a very strong feeling that this script was written way before they decided to have Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds on board. Okay. I this, this script, look, no offense to the guy, I'm not trying to be mean, but... The script sucks. The script is fucking horrible. It is full of the action comedy cliches, the predictability. There, There's nothing... The only thing that makes this movie stand out at all is the chemistry between the characters. And, the, and it gets stretched. It gets very fucking stretched. So this guy... Why the fuck would you have a... I don't. Huh. I end up. I say this like half the fucking reviews I do. I don't understand. The, this guy gets this credit for writing this movie, but I bet you that until they they probably decided to throw in an extra twenty million into the budget, that no known or no decent actor was involved with this at all. All right. Mm-hmm. And then I, I look. I, I would assume that Lionsgate and Millennium Films wanted to make some money. They own this fucking script, I guess. And they say, well, hey, we slap a couple big names on there. All of a sudden, we're going to make some money. Well, the movie is making fucking money because nothing is nothing decent is out right now. Right. Right? So <laughs> this movie's been the number one movie for two weeks straight, two weekends straight. And I heard that the the worst weekend, worst reported box office weekend in like six years was the weekend that we just had. So I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just saying going off of what it was put down. <laughs> All right, this movie. Anyway, before we saw it a before? week, uh, more uh, yeah. So all right, Marty, <laughs> I can't do this. So ah. <laughs> ah, I can't do it. All right, anyway, that's made thirty million dollars. Yeah, and so and it cost like around that much to make it. It was sixty-two, and it's, it's made money overseas too. I'm sorry, the budget was thirty. The box office is sixty-two. Yeah. And it's still making money. So the movie's going to be over $100 million before it's done, right? So uh, anyway, we saw Logan Lucky because we knew it wasn't going to last in theaters for that long because right. of the limited release, right? So we saw that one last week instead of the week that this one came out. So 
the thing that sucks about being on social media is that even when you try to avoid shit, sometimes it just automatic instantly pops in your face and you're fucked. I completely was able to avoid anything that had to do with the hitman's bodyguard leading up to its release. I'll give you an example. Oh, please. Me Dude. not paying attention. I know this isn't really social media, but Fandango, when I looked at movie times, mm-hmm. the fucking Rotten Tomatoes for it pops up right at the goddamn top. That's why I don't go to Fandango because it's owned by Rotten Tomatoes. And or Rotten Tomatoes, vice versa. Well, that would make sense, huh? That would Fandango fit, owns Rotten Tomatoes, which means that I'm done with Rotten Tomatoes because I can't stand Fandango. Uh, well, that, I mean, like I said, we use the Rotten Tomatoes as a fun little thing, but and Flickster. I don't take it fully seriously anyway because it's it, all it is is a critic consensus. It's an aggregate. It's a critic consensus. That's it. It's not. It's not an actual what the quality of the movie is. Yeah. But and it's all subjective anyway, right? That's the point Again, of movies. It's an aggregate. It's aggravating me like this fucking movie did fucking with all the goddamn arguing and fighting. So, Like what we do? <laughs> yeah, but... Maybe that's probably why it annoyed you. Deep down inside, you're just like, fucking tired of listening to this I can't take this anymore, Mike. Fucking Mike is yelling at me. He's always yelling at me. <laughs> fucking, I gotta go see a movie where everybody's it yelling. Just, when these characters started to loosen up with each other... God, that sounds so fucking sexual. Uh-huh. When these guys started to open up and stop being as irritated... they were always, The whole movie, they're fucking irritated pretty much. Except except when Jackson is antagonizing Reynolds so bad that Reynolds is fucking quiet and Jackson's just smiling his ass off. That's fucking... That's funny. That works. But it just... It had, there were moments where it would just build up with this constant bickering back and forth and... I was getting tired of it. This is why I can't take movie critics seriously at all. Peter DeBruge of Variety gave the film a positive review and called it a pleasant late summer surprise. <laughs> the Hitman's Bodyguard is about as close to a live action cartoon as you're likely to get this year. That's not a style that works much of the time, but in the hands of the Expendables 3 Helmer Patrick Hughes, and more importantly, owing to the chemistry of stars Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds, it makes for a delightfully ridiculous screwball action comedy. I couldn't go that far with it. I couldn't I couldn't give it that much praise. The Expendables 3 was awful. Wasn't that good? This is not that good. No. This is not even as good as The Expendables 3. And, and but- I was looking forward to this film after... Uh, I, we watched a couple of the trailers. Oh, that trailer gave me a fucking... Was- Comedy boner. Absolutely. And then we go see the movie, and it's just like, oh, show me what you got. It's like hit and miss, hit and miss, hit and miss, hit and miss. And, and, and it was, yeah. And, and it opens up with Ryan Reynolds in his house, getting ready for the day, and he kisses his girlfriend goodbye. Yeah. And then he, and, and then all the shit happens, and he gets his client out, and then the client dies. Yeah, he's the shit, and then he's not the shit. And then all of a sudden, he went from triple A rated, triple yeah, triple A rated, <laughs> whatever that means, to I think you made that up, man. <laughs> yeah, to you know, getting getting a fucking coked out lawyer out of out of an office, right? Yeah, I like how they. I should have wrote that down in my review. I liked how they set that up, where it made it look like he wasn't a big deal, like no one was really after him. The guy's just paranoid. And then out of nowhere, it does a quick flashback and it shows all the people he dispatched before he got to his office. Right. That was cool. And I think it would have worked better if you had opened up with that. Uh-huh. And then, again, and after reading your review, which is really good. Thank you. After reading your review and you going, look, these are why these movies work. You know, um, Lethal Weapon. Yeah. 48 Hours. Yeah. 
uh, <laughs> Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. Well, because when you had the odd couple pairings. Yeah, yeah, but Die Hard with a Vengeance, the bickering between Di- Willis and Jackson. <sighs> it worked for the most part. No, no. Okay, you're right. You're right. Th- that works. Um, but it's not a buddy cop movie or a buddy movie in terms of anything else. I mean, it's it's an extension of the Die Hard franchise, meaning yeah. you're mostly going to get Bruce Willis. Yeah. But Samuel L. Jackson is there as, I'm not going to say the foil. He's he's there as the guy to calibrate Yeah, I mean, he's there with Bruce the, Willis's character. He's with Willis for most of the movie. Yeah, but he's he's he, but he's not a partner, you know? But they're still teamed together. I know, but like, I know it's still you know what it's but not it's but, odd couple. It's okay, definitely uh, odd couple, right? But they're at odds with each other the whole fucking time. Samuel L. Jackson isn't there because the script said we need somebody. Mm-hmm. Samuel L. Jackson's character is there because it evolved naturally. If well, it felt like it evolved naturally. Mm-hmm. He helps Bruce Willis's character out because Bruce has the, the 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 placard on with the racist term. And And then he gets thrown into it because of what um Yeah. Gruber says. Right. You know, he well, says now now the Samaritan has to now he has to stick along. You you stuck your nose in it and now you're a part of it. Correct. Yeah. All right. And and then in this one now in all the other buddy cop movies, that's not how it works. In 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 48 hours, Reggie Hammond is hired, basically, is taken out of prison and given and given rules. Yeah. If you want to get out of prison, you're still going to go back to prison. Yeah, sooner you want to take some, knock some time if off. If you want to knock some time off, you're going to help me. Yeah. You know, in Lethal Weapon, they were paired together. Yeah. In this one, they're supposed to be paired together because one is helping the other. Yeah. And not in that, in, in any good sense of the word. Yeah. You know? And it just gets old. Dude, I love Samuel L. Jackson, but fucking Christ. <laughs> every every scene is him and Ryan Reynolds, like you said, just yelling at each other and motherfucking each other. Yeah. It's, it's, and the weird part about it is it works until it doesn't work. and then It doesn't it, even work. And it, it works for a little bit, and then it stops working again. Then it gets irritating again. Then something funny happens, and then it works for a little bit longer, and then it fucking gets irritating again. Right. It and keeps it, doing it over and over again. And, and then the second part of this whole story was, yeah, the second part of this whole story, we'll, we'll get into the Gary Oldman stuff. Yeah. Second part of the whole story is Selma Hayek's character who's in jail. Yeah. The two love interests. For fucking no reason. Yeah, they're holding her hostage. They're charging her on purpose just to make him more willing to sign over. Which sign is over. garbage. Yeah. It's, it's a garbage plot point. Yeah. And then you have Gary Oldman's character, who we are introduced to him by him killing. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mesh Sub- of subversives, a subversive teacher's family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, ethnic cleansing and all this, and they have pictures. They they actually have proof, but while they're in court, they can't find any proof. We live in fucking 2017. Yeah. And he's supposed to be a dictator. Of Belarusia. Yeah, Belarus. Belarus, yeah. He's Belarusian, yeah. And... I didn't even know that existed until I fucking did research for this movie. (laughs) That Belarus existed. And there's not one person that... Not one reporter, not one person that that has any evidence. Blah, 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 blah. Long story short. Yeah. You know, he's this dictator that fucking is killing everybody, but no one has any evidence... 
you know, it just seems to quote unquote magically disappear. Yeah, and then they're like relying a Chris Angel TV and show. They're relying on this fucking hitman to be transported across the country or right. whatever. I, I don't even remember if they ha- if they had to go over other you know countries in you know Europe or whatever. I don't even remember. They had to go from England to Norway. Yeah. Okay. So. Or uh, Sweden or so, wherever. Yeah. So it was the, the Hague. They had to go to the Hague. <laughs> so, but it was like if this guy was that important, shouldn't they have done a little more effort? I it, like with the the all you know, the setup from because there's a mole in there and yeah, you gotta have you. That's that's a bad trope. You gotta have the mole. It's gotten old, mole. man. It got really fucking old. There was, I mean, there's plenty of movies that we've seen recently. I think they just did it in. Uh, what was it the Equalizer and fucking yeah? There's, there's right along. All these bad movies start off the same way, which is you introduce one character, and then by circumstance he has to, you know, guard or become friends with his rival. Yeah, you know, and then not only that, while he's friends with the rival, the rival is working. In, the rival has a friend who. Is a mole for the bad guy, yeah. And then the bad guy can get away with murder while he's under house arrest, yeah. making phone calls and this and that and the other thing, which is not even allowed. And then they, they're turning to the accidental hero where they've been misunderstood the whole time. Yeah, and, and instead of you know fucking having a sniper up on the roof trying to take out you know the bad guy, which is what would they would try to do. Yeah, they wouldn't have him in a fucking luxury apartment. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and the fact that he's just standing there poking his head through the fucking window of this plane yeah. the whole time. I'm like, I, I, I mean, it was plane. obvious. That it was what obvious. Plane? I was talking about the beginning of the movie with uh, with Ryan Reynolds' uh, fucking you know, protector guy you know, that he ended up putting on the plane, and then he lost his three-star rating because the guy got sniped on the plane. No, you, but that's... You kept saying... You said, and, and while you know, he keeps poking his head through the window in the plane. It was... It was obvious what was going to happen, that the character was going to get snuffed. That's what I'm trying to get at. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I'm right there with you. It's not that big of a deal. It's just, <laughs> just the way you... I'm you, sorry, sir. We went from Gary Oldman to fucking... I, I, yeah, my bad. Not a big deal. So, and, and that's... Fuck this movie. It is, because it's it's it's... it's Look, it'd be one thing if we went and saw this and it didn't have the 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 names that we love on it, right? The, no, it wouldn't. It would still be shit. It, well, yeah, but it would be more obvious shit when you have these two guys on. How here, much more obvious could it be? They soften the blow of no, this they, sucking. This fucking movie is shit. Oh, dude. it's still it's still not a great movie, it's dude. Not, it's not Independence it's, Day bad. It's not. Yeah, it's not a good movie, but it's not it's not a bad movie. I mean, I've seen way worse. But I will tell you this. It's not Dolph I didn't even Lundgren think about I didn't even machine. think about it really until you said something in the theater. But when that fucking that re that um that cover version of Black Betty came on during the, the chase scene, right. that started to fucking bug the shit out of me. It bugs the shit out of me because they could have had they had some great music play throughout the entire goddamn movie. Yeah. And then they went and did the stupidest thing possible. By using a cover of a cover of a cover like, of a cover. Wasn't that in the fucking Dukes of Hazard re- remake movie or of whatever? A, yeah, of a cover of a cover. Black mm. Betty, there is no original recording of Black Betty available. Not from Ram Jam? Ram Jam didn't write it. I thought Ram Jam was the original. No. Yeah, okay, forgive me. Fuck, I don't know. Mr. I do research. You wanted me to research every fucking song in that yeah. movie? Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tom <laughs> Jones did a fucking uh, a cover of it. I always thought the Ram Jam was original. I, no. Look, no. It happens all the time, man. Though sometimes I'll hear a song. It's an African American work song. It was often credited to Huddle Lead Belly Lead Belly Lead Better. But since it's not there's no copyright on it, anyone can use it. Oh, it's public domain. So anyone can it's actually if you Negro Sinful Songs. That's the name of the uh album. Okay. So um it's a traditional uh, God, I wish they would stop saying African American. Black American. I'm a white American. They're black Americans. Yeah. Uh, um, though the earliest recordings are not by him, some sources claim it is one of Lead Belly's many adaptions, adaptations of earlier folk material. Like I said, there is no known author to Black Betty. There's no what, known original recording. The, because of the lyrics, that makes more sense that Ram Jam version... Was a remake. It wasn't their original. So the best known modern recording are rock versions by Ram Jam, Tom Jones, and Spider Bait. Now I'm tired of the Ram Jam one. That came out 40 years ago, by the way. Yeah, 70s, right? Yeah. 77. Or, or, oh, my, oh, birth year. Spider Bait just we we got the fucking version on the Dukes of Hazard. Was it on the Dukes of Hazard movie? The Hitman's Bodyguard. I know, but was it also in the? Uh, I don't know. I, you know what? I guess in the whole grand scheme of things, it doesn't really fucking matter, does it? No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it, it does not, man. It does not. So, <laughs> you and I were talking about this. Yeah. And I said, you know, this is fucking bullshit. They should have used a bunch of better songs. Or they used to, than Black Betty. They, and I went through a list of them. They could have used Damage Incorporated from Metallica. They could have used House of Pain by Van Halen. They could have used... Battery by Metallica, which is a which would have worked even better because if you listen to the lyrics for Battery, it all it is is about getting beaten, mm-hmm. getting beaten down, right? Yeah, and then getting back up. They could have used fucking Painkiller by Judas Priest. They could have used what cool movies did we see this year that had chase scenes in them with great music along with them you had Baby Driver Mm -hmm. and you had Logan Lucky right okay great song selection even songs I wouldn't normally listen to they're fucking enjoyable while I'm watching the movie well here's the other thing like in Logan Lucky you don't normally hear those songs yeah you heard one Creedence Clearwater Revival song that was very very noticeable but again it didn't get in the way of the movie no. With with Baby Driver, again, one real popular song, but other than that Yeah, it was shit I don't most of that shit I never heard before. Yeah, I mean other than that it was you know, it was um Motown type yeah, stuff. You know, stuff that if you're a music fan Yeah. Then yeah, I want fucking Baby Driver soundtrack, you fuck. I don't want Guardians, I want Baby Driver. <laughs> All I want is a soundtrack. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, the John Spencer Blues Explosion, which is the main reason why Baby Driver existed. For, and they did Bell Bottoms. They did Harlem Shuffle. There's one of them. Um, let's see. Not the Harlem Shake. Yeah, Harlem Shuffle. <laughs> um, there's a ton of gold. Golden Earring, Right Our Love. Yeah. Um, Queen, Brighton Rock, which, I mean, you don't really, f- you don't really hear that song no. much anymore. I'm just trying to think of, I'm looking at uh, T-Rex, Deborah. Uh, Beck, the Commodores, yeah. easy. Beck, um, get out of here, Beck. The Beach Boys, let's go away for a while. Even then, you don't really hear that song much. No, I'm just trying to think. So, Sam and Dave, 
Golden Earring. Oh, yeah, so young, even when oh, he picked, Young MC. So even when he picked the popular artist, he Barry played White. shit that you that you didn't hear is usually a single. Yeah, on the radio. Uh, for for every three, yeah, for well, every three songs, he puts a normal he, like, whatever. For example, I, I don't. I never was big on Young MC because he only had that one fucking song that got played out so fucking bad. You know, just bust a move. I get fucking tired of that song. Just bust a move. I hate that song to this day because of how overplayed it got. And they played a song from him in that movie, and I couldn't. I never heard it before, and I was like, dude, I didn't even know the Young MC was capable of having decent sounding hip hop than other than just that fucking hit single, right? Dude, dude's had like eight albums since uh, oh, I know, coming out, but he only had like he was pretty much a one-hit wonder. Of those eight albums, three of them charted, uh-huh. uh U.S. hip hop. Yeah, two of them charted in the U.S. in the ninety-ninth uh, position and sixty-sixth position. Not mm-hmm. one album after that charted in the U.S. Yeah, peak position in Australia for Bust a Move was number one. Okay. So in 1988, he releases two singles, no nothing, except for in the UK. Bust a Move, massive hit. I come off, let's see, one, two, three. In 1990, he had three hits, or he had three singles, and one of them charted, but the other two didn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, 1993, nothing. 1996, I'm saying he did nothing happened because he released a single. 96, he releases a single, nothing. Madam Butterfly and On Poppin' and 97 charted in the U.S. rap, but that was about it, nothing else. He has done jack shit. Yeah. But he still releases albums, so it doesn't matter. But they picked a good song. Like, it fit, it worked. Yeah. You know, it did. He's, like I said, he, when he picked like, someone who's known, he didn't pick their, their main song. Dude, for some reason, I felt like going into full-on Christopher Walken when I was saying that just then. Like, he's known. Like, he's known. But, like, I don't know if if he knows what he's doing. <laughs> I, I can almost do a he's, full-on Walken now. I, I can almost. There's like, certain little things he's like. young MC. He's, he's kind of fast. See, and then it breaks into a fucking. He's kind of fast. He's got a great ass. It breaks into a fucking Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's what the maturity of like a, a a full-on voice actor is, is that they can they can keep all their sh- their voices separated. They don't bleed into each other, unless you're Tom Kenny. Yeah. Let's see what the Hitman's Bodyguard knew. I want the soundtrack, you cunt. <laughs> Ghost Dog, the way of the Samurai soundtrack. Mm. Collateral. Be cool. uh, the whole. Uh, Soundtrack is on IMDb, by the way. If you want to look up Hitman Bodyguard, yeah, I can do that. Hitman Bodyguard, man, give me it. So, and you know what? This movie had one huge missed opportunity. Besides the fact that you didn't properly utilize good writing, those two guys. No, the missed opportunity was this: that quick backstory for Samuel Jackson's character was fucking cool, and it could have worked so well. As showing how he became a hitman. I actually have a song called "Smells Like Ass" back here. <laughs> so, and you and you realize that's how he got the tattoo on his hand, and it was fucking cool. It, it worked, and that the, uh, God, I, when I saw that, the whole rest of the movie paled in comparison. I was like, God, you just showed me something that could have been way better done, 
And you're going to bring me back to the fucking bickering and, and the fighting and the bitching. Yeah. If they had done a movie based just off of Samuel L. Jackson's character, yeah. you know, from when he was a young boy to now, yeah. that would have been a fucking rad movie. Uh-huh. Exactly. As long as you don't have uh, Tom O'Connor writing it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, other, I mean, look, there's, there's some funny scenes here and there, but most of the time it worked better in trailer form. For the perfect soundtrack. Variety is saying, fuck you. It's not the perfect soundtrack. Suck it. Oh, relax, man. It's, Suck my ass. That's subjective as well. It's Variety, dude. Of course they're going to speak big like that. They're going to speak bigly. Yeah. Okay. Now, before we get into it, it's just like I, the reason. one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up Toby Hooper dying is because of some people's reaction. I'm getting tired of people's reactions to to deaths of, people, of celebrities. Um, on Twitter, their reactions to it—it's—it's it's fucking stupid. I told you, man. It always—it's always shocked and heartbroken. Yeah, they're always shocked and heartbroken. Never met the motherfucker in their lives. I am shocked. Or maybe met them once at a fucking dinner gala or something thirty-five years ago. But they're shocked and broken-hearted. Yep, he was seventy-four years old. Okay, shocked and broken-hearted is lying. It's bullshit. It's the same thing that people do when there's a tragedy in another country. <gasps> oh. Shocked and brokenhearted. We got to save them. Oh my god, oh, there was a there please. was an attack in Paris. We must do something about say it. Say a prayer for the Haitians. Yeah, that's that's it's always say a prayer. We need to <laughs> say a prayer. Don't don't do anything. Don't contribute, but say a prayer for them. Fuck you. <laughs> no one seems to give a shit about what's happening in North Korea. Yeah, say a prayer for him. All they care about is, are we going to get bombed? Are we not going to get bombed? You he died me. of natural causes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, fuck you guys. Fuck them all. What, 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 okay. <laughs> I mean, anyone that talks like that, the whole shocked and heartbroken bullshit, it's it's fake. Yeah, I've been saying that for how long? Oh, I know, I know. Uh, look, I even, I am shocked even though we draw the line with saddened. certain things uh, when it comes to this, there's that is fucking insane to me. That, that I someone, think it sucks that he's dead. Someone puts that effort into talking about why can't you just say, you know what, he made some good movies, so I'm, I'm glad he had a good life, had a good run, and then that's the end of it, right? But no, instead it's oh, if you mention someone big who died, oh, you got to talk about how devastating because oh, that's the other word. My bad. The other word is devastated. They're fucking emotionally devastated at the death. Of Toby Hooper or whomever. I love his quote on this. Nina this is Simone. Fucking awesome. Okay. So when Toby Hooper was young, yeah. he he loved the horror genre, but he found that the films in it had become boring. Uh huh. And uh, I'm having the same problems with dealing with just in general websites. Yeah. Pod this podcast. No, you know, it's not your fault. It's just. Is it getting monotonous to you? Yeah. It no it. <sighs> Limitations. Okay. Well, well, you know, we can fix that. I figured I was paying two bucks a ticket, a dollar and a half a ticket, and I was getting about 10 cents worth of scare. And that's how I feel. That's how I feel about websites. Websites should be more dynamic. We should be able to do more instead of just this fucking square box. No, we do exactly what the way they tell us to do it. You know, or, or or listening to all these people that tell you how to build a website and build a business. And you know what? Fuck it all. I'm just, I'm just throwing, I'm going to start throwing shit against the wall and see what sticks. I don't yeah. care. But this is what Toby Hooper did. He just decided that this is, you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm getting a... You're picking your nose pretty good there, buddy. 
It's the outside, exterior, no, exterior. I saw you fucking digging it inside. It ain't going in there, goddamn it. I, I, s- do I, s- I, dude, I just watch you do this. Let's just get a grip. Okay. Okay. Leverage thing. I'm not judging. If Asshole. you got to pick your nose, pick your nose. I don't, I'll let you know if I do. Yeah. Don't let me know. Just do it. <laughs> so, so he he gets bored with this shit, and you know, I walked out thinking, okay, that's the way to do it. After watching uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh-huh. So he and I've got a list of uh, his most popular movies. Um, dude, the guy. I mean, he's he's best known for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right. All right. Uh, he also did the sequel ten years later, but I don't really care about the sequel that much. Uh, he of course did Poltergeist with the uh, you know the, the the help of Mr. Spielberg. I, to what degree I don't know, but uh-huh. you know what I mean. Uh, he did a movie I still have never seen, uh, 1981, called The Farmhouse uh-huh. or The Funhouse. Uh-huh. Have you seen The Funhouse? Yes, I have. Is it good? That movie genuinely terrified me. Okay, so it worked. Yeah, it was effective. And it was one of the first horror movies I had ever seen. It's not, and it's not made for TV. It was an actual movie. Okay. But I have seen it multiple times. And every time that I see it, it brings back those memories of when I was a kid. And this is before Nightmare on Elm Street and and Friday the 13th and all that. Yeah. Funhouse for me was the thing that got me into Toby Hooper. Uh Uh-huh. And it was the thing that got me into enjoying scary psychological shtick. Yeah. Because it was, like I said, to me it was fucking unnerving. Okay, good. And I remember, like, it'd be on TV, and I'd be like, "I'm not watching that fucking shit." <laughs> like, I'm gonna change the channel. I'll go. I'll watch PBS. Now, would you come back and watch a little bit and then leave again? No, I, I did that with uh, the Night yeah, of the Living Dead. I'm sorry. Yes, I did. Yeah, that's what I would do every time Night of the Living Dead came on. But yeah, I, that that's <clears throat> and I I totally forgot about it until we were looking up Toby Hooper. And I'm like, yeah. and I saw the I just I had scrolled past it real quick, and I didn't realize that. that was, I was like, did I see that right? Did I say fucking the Fun House? Yeah. All right, anyways. Yeah, I mean, dude, he also did the Salem's Lot. Not the Salem's Lot. I mean, he, I'm sorry. He did Salem's Lot, which was made-for-TV movie, but when you watch it, it doesn't feel like it's a made-for-TV movie. It's really good. Um, he And then he did one that I always forget about it, but I watched it I watched it at nauseum back in 87, 88, mm-hmm. which was Invaders from Mars remake. Right. And I don't remember much about it, even though I've seen I saw it dozens of times. Um, it... It's been uh, three decades. So I, I do remember, though, that the production quality was really fucking good. Right. I love the way the aliens look, the Krang-looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember the, the um, there was suspense leading up to the aliens coming, like when the lights were behind the hill of his house and stuff. And uh-huh. so uh-huh. now there is one movie, though, that they fucking um, and I, I, I haven't done research on it in a long time. I'm watching. I see it. So the fun that's house. creepy. Who is man so, enough? So he did the movie Life Force, right? And it's funny because I hear I hear when I read the critic consensus on it is there are moments of brilliance in it, but a lot of the story is so fucking ludicrous and out out of left field that it ruins everything. Do you remember? Um, is it Kiss of the Spider Woman? It could be, or the Lair, or the Lair, Lair of the White Worm. That's it, the Lair of the White Worm. Have, uh, do you remember that? I remember the poster for it. I was fascinated by the poster because I'd see it every time I went to the video store, but I never rented it. Right. Because it didn't look like my style of movie, but I was always fascinated by the picture of it. Right. Yeah. Why did you? That is, 
that's another movie that will fuck with you. Yeah, it's a, it's really good. The movie, I think the movie that fucked like nothing phases me anymore. Well, like like the movie that I'm going to talk about tonight for my flick of the week. That one should have phased me, but I've seen so much shit. My first horror movie, like like not, I'm not talking about like John Carpenter's The Fog or Halloween. I'm talking about de- like gory shit. Uh-huh. Was probably when I was um, about six years old. When my mom rented a VCR for 49er video, uh-huh. and we rented movies, and one of them was Sleepaway Camp. Oh, yeah. I fucking saw Sleepaway Camp at six years old. With the penis. Oh, that ending? Holy fuck. That ending fucked with me. All right? That's why I crave, you know, dick and tits now. But Dick and tits? <laughs> but that ending. What the That f- what? ending was fucking terrifying. Okay. It was so unnerving, disturbing, that, yeah, I, yeah, that movie fucking creep the shit out so anyway that's I haven't had anything creep me out anywhere close to that since I would say shit um fuck it was there what the hell was it I can't remember shit bro I don't know (laughs) since two days ago that movie creeped me the fuck out yeah um you know what was there after that there was uh God damn it! There was Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery was when it was new. Not now. I watched it again, and I'm like, "What's the big fucking deal?" But when it was new, I that movie was stuck in my head for like three days after seeing it. Mm-hmm. Like the I remember I had to go to I remember I had to go to school the next day after the first time I saw it, and I couldn't sleep all night because I kept thinking about the movie over and over and over again. You know the scene where Fred Gwynn gets his Achilles cut in with a scalpel. Mm-hmm. And and the fucking wife comes in and and, he, and kisses him and then she fucking kills him, and and the way that the 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 son dies by the truck getting hit, hit him all that shit it was that movie was fucking creepy and oh and then the <sighs> Ramon song the movie ends and it has that fucking Ramon song I don't wanna be buried in a pet cemetery that song would play over and over in my head because also the video would play over and over again on the box mm. the the video channel station. And so the classic jukebox, whatever the fuck you call it, I don't remember. So yeah, that creeped me the fuck out. So I don't. So I'm desensitized to to horror movies now because of it. So just like when we lead into my flick of the week, right? My flick of the week would would normally be something that would be disturbing and off putting, but there isn't. It, 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 I, I'm the only thing that's come close. That's what I, for, I almost forgot about. What it. The only thing that's come close recently in the last few years that left me feeling any kind of disturbance in the force <laughs> is Cannibal Holocaust. You have been talking for like five minutes yeah. about horror movies yeah. and Toby and, Toby, and yeah. we were talking about Toby Hooper. Yeah. And we've said nothing. <laughs> I know. So anyway. Are you are you are we done with the Hitman's bodyguard? Just about. I was I was on you my went into this whole Toby Hooper thing. I know I, I was on my we last. I'm on my last lap. I, I swear to God, I'm on my last lap with it. No, you're not. Just let's just end the Hitman's body. I, we that the Toby Hooper discussion was fucking interesting. <laughs> it was it was way more. What what is your fucking score on Hitman's bodyguard? Uh, Hitman's bodyguard. I think I gave like a 54. No, like 45. Yeah, you were real close to what it is. I gave it an 82. Stupid me. Okay, you well, win. I don't. You know what? I'm. 
I don't feel like I won because I'm disappointed by the movie. No, you won that battle. But uh, the movie has a current 39%. And then I, I think when it there. first came out, it was it was it was around forty eight percent, which is like forty eight percent ain't bad, right? Like oh, just some critics didn't get it, right? So it's gonna be fucking. It still could be great, but then it goes drops down into the thirties, and you're like oh. What did you give it for a rating? I gave it a forty five. Really? I gave it a forty five, and you gave it an eighty two. No, what did you give it for a rating on your movie review? Oh, dark. Dark. I gave it a four out of uh, ten. Ah, okay. It's below average. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah, it's below average, but th- there's way worse out there. There's definitely way worse out there. It's just that this movie had potential to be fucking awesome, and now it's not going to be. It's going to be one of those movies where if it's going to come on, it's not. It's not going to be a classic. It's never going to be a classic. It's never going to be. Hey, remember that one time when Ryan Reynolds teamed up with Samuel Jackson and, and this and there was this amazing movie that came out, and now we watch it every year or two. No. Not going to happen. But yeah, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard with a Vengeance, movies like that. Red Heat. Holy shit. I'll watch fucking Red Heat. I love that chemistry in that. Okay. Whatever you say, Gumby. (laughs) Even Money Talks. People didn't like Money Talks. I like Money Talks. Good oddball comedy. Action comedy. Charlie Sheen, Forkhead, Crackhead Face, Chris Tucker. All right. So, what would you give it? What? I got to ask you because... I know what you were about to say. Can we fucking move on from this shit? I already told you. I told you a four. What'd you say? Like you're about I said I'll go with that. Oh, you, oh okay. I think okay. All right. I didn't <laughs> I didn't know if you were gonna do like a three or three point five. I was thinking about it, but four is fine. All right. So yeah, it, go see it at your own peril. You know what? There's some people that fucking love it. I just like how people love ride along. There's people that love ride along. That movie fucking sucked and the sequel is even worse. Some people just that's why I went into my shit I went into about when I did my uh, intro and my review is that newer generations of people, man, they just don't fucking, they don't know. I saw on a movie forum that I'm on on Facebook, uh-huh. person said, name an actor who has never made a bad film. And he responded to his own, guess what he responded? Gary Oldman? Fucking Adam Sandler. Oh. He's like, I'm like, and so I started going through it and then like, there's a whole bunch of Adam Sandler type actors mm-hmm. in there that people have put a posting, and I'm just like, I understand everything now. Yeah, uh, completely understand everything. The reason why I have a video playing in the background, yeah, is because I think we do better when we have a video playing in the background. We're able to focus more on our conversation. You think so? Absolutely. Kind of like how the some people have the the, the gravity thing. The, the well, I I can't have the TV on. Because you can't fucking focus ten seconds without looking over at the TV and finding out what's going on. And then I look, I look back again from it. I don't just focus on it. I'll do a quick glimpse. No, you don't do a quick glimpse, bro. Uh, oh. <laughs> so if I have it this way, you can see, and then we can watch some cool shit. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck yeah. Do your thing. All right. So, Toby Hooper. We already talked about Toby Hooper. Move on. Devastated. <laughs> Prayers. <laughs> so, my flick of the week. Uh, thank you, Toby Hooper. That's it. Okay, because oh, you're yeah. you're listening to us right now. Thank right. God. I mean, thank George. My flick of the week is currently on Netflix. It is the 2016 film called "The Eyes of My Mother." 
It is currently at 75% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. The movie is spoken in English and in Portuguese. Mm. All right. Also, the entire film is in black and white high definition. So, Black and white? Yeah. The movie's in black and white. Oh. No color. Oh. So. There's nobody in it that I know. No. There's oh. one person who's done some stuff, but... I I've never seen him in any of the things he's been in. So, but I did write him down because his character has a a validity to him. Okay. So anyway, this movie is set on a farm. The entire film, I I say ninety nine percent of the film is at this farm. All right. It has young. It starts off with a young girl named Francesca. Francesca or Francesca. No, it's Francesca. There's no e in there. It's Francesca, and she lives with her mother. Her mother is a former surgeon. Um, who seems to know a lot about the um, you know anatomy, human yeah, anatomy, backstreet whore. And the movie starts off with a mother teaching the daughter how to remove the eyes from cattle. For some reason, I don't fucking know. I've why. heard about this movie. All right. So anyway, immediately like I, I read about it. Like, yeah, recently. And I'm not going to give away the whole movie, but I got to tell you how it starts off. I'll I'll give it away since I'm good at that. All right. Starts off where after she after all this stuff happens really quickly. Bro, look at the box office. Yeah, I know because yeah yeah. yeah. So anyway. Sucks. A stranger comes a calling, and they're both the daughter and the mother are in the front yard. And the stranger is a, a traveling salesman, mm-hmm. played by an actor named Will Brill. His character, I call him Charlie the Rapist. All right, Charlie the Rapist shows. You just up. gave away the movie. Not really, because this all happens at the beginning. Um, Charlie the Rapist shows up, and he asks to go into the house to use the restroom. The mother reluctantly brings him in, and then once they're inside the house. He takes over. And this is what's successful about this movie. It is creepier than shit, but it doesn't really show you anything. Almost everything is an after effect that they show. They'll they'll show you a, a quick glimpse. Like, oh, for example, when you look at the pictures of when Kurt Cobain shot it, killed himself, all you can see is like a telephoto lens shot from far away, and you can see his fucking feet. You can't see the, the carnage, right? You can't see any of the gore. That's what this movie does. It you can see a little bit, but not very much from a distance. And there's maybe a blood puddle on the floor, or or something's being put into baggies and put in the fridge. You don't know what the you know what it is, but you don't know what it is. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. And it works really well with it. The black and white it sets the tone with the movie. It makes it creepier and shit. Um, the whole movie is weird. The character. If, this is an understatement. The character of Francesca, because it cuts to when she's an adult now. She First she's like around 12, 13 years old, and then it cuts to when she's an adult. And her father is in the picture as well. He comes home after the, the, the rape happens, and he deals with the rapist to a point. And then, anyway, don't want to get too, I don't want to give too much away. But it, the, the whole entire film focuses on the character of Frances, Frances, Francesca. And she has, as I said, as an understatement, has abandonment issues, okay? She's extremely lonely, and the traumatization about what happens to her mother at the beginning of the film, it carries over for the entire film, her and her entire life. And it's it's creepy, it's sad, it's um, not too sad, but it's, it's definitely uh, atmospheric for what it's trying to do. Uh, the cinematography on it is so fucking cool. There's these above shots, from way high up 
that that play out a couple of scenes and it just and there's like there's barely any sound so when it's showing like those shots it, it just works so well and then there's wide angle shots you can see like like the almost like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing where um, the semi trucks on the road and then there's a, a victim mm-hmm. in the middle of the road from mm-hmm. far away but it does a wide angle backup shot and it things like that the movie the movie's only 77 minutes long but it it's a lack of backstory on really anything or explanation of anything it works it adds to the creepy factor of the movie and if i hadn't been if i was someone who would not been so desensitized by all the shit that i've seen over the years this movie would have fucking creeped me out it didn't the only thing the thing that 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 just made me wince at all in the entire film is a scene where one where a victim is scraping her hands across a wooden wall and one of her nails fucking tears back that always gets me. I'm a eyeball, nails, genitalia guy. It, or even skin peeling. It, mm. You do any of those things and you'll get the fucking willies out of me. All right. Otherwise, though, I can see, I can watch, and I'll still watch it. Don't get me wrong. Just, that's the only thing that, that ugh, right? Makes me go, makes me wince, right? So, I recommend seeing it because there's no real payoff of the movie. It's just a well done movie. It looks good. It just looks really, it looks so professionally shot that this could have been in theaters. That's how good it looks, all right? And if you're into creepy fucking horror movies, go ahead and check it out, all right? Because this character is fucking odd. Hmm. But it works. The eyes of my mother. That's all I'm going to give away about it. And it's short. So there you go. It's a short movie. So even if it's not your liking, you're not suffering with it. Even 90 minutes isn't too long because it's only 77 minutes. So it's like a win-win. Okay. All right. I do this every week. Michael's being a Navy SEAL this week. (laughs) You know what really makes this movie awful? What? The whole beginning. The whole beginning is set up when an aircraft carrier receives a mayday call from a cargo ship that has been attacked, set on fire, and is adrift. Okay. A Navy helicopter comes and attempts to rescue the crew, but is down by a gunboat, and the the people in the helicopter are captured. Right. Okay. Meanwhile, a squad a squad of United States Navy SEALs who are recovering from a bachelor party for Dennis Haysbert's character. Hold on a second. That didn't make sense. <laughs> they're, they're recovering from a bachelor party, but <sighs> Dennis Haysbert's getting married. Okay, and right at the beginning of the wedding, he gets a call. Oh my God, you gotta come rescue these people! <laughs> like they would do that. Yeah, you know, like there's there's not other Navy SEALs teams out there. That's just one. He's the man. So the whole team is paged to return to base to rescue the captured crew, in which they do. And then, as all this shit is going on, there's a scene when they come back. Okay. And Haysbert wants to get married again. So as, and in fact, it, it, this happens before they get called to to duty. Haysbert, Bean, and Charlie Sheen, and it's tough to say that because Michael Bean and Charlie Sheen rhyme, <laughs> are in a Jeep. And Charlie Sheen is the crazy one. Because in the 80s, you always had to have the entire, this. if you have a team movie, you always have to have the stand-up straight one, which is Dennis Haysbert. You always have to have the serious military commander, but he's got kind of a heart of gold, 
you know. Yeah. And he he really cares about his entire team. Yeah. But he's always thinking bigger picture. Yeah. And then you have the 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 Charlie Sheen type, who is the crazy guy, you know, who is you know is the eternally single wild thing, wild thing drinker, you know, blah blah blah. <coughs> I just have one question about this movie. What has Michael Bean and Charlie Sheen? <laughs> has Michael Bean and Charlie Sheen? No. <laughs> Maybe twice. Dude, this got Bill Paxton in it. That's why I watched the movie. Is he in there? Yeah. All right. So got Rick Rossovich, man. Yeah. Don't make me bust you up, man. Yeah. So Oh, crash and they're, burn. They're 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 driving and they're in long they're they're driving they're driving in um they're they're driving over the bridge in Long Beach. The motherfucker Charlie Sheen decides that he doesn't want to be a part of this, so he jumps out of the Jeep, right? And and as the rest of the guy, as the rest, uh, the rest of the guys, as Michael Bean, Joe went to take a piss, and I can say anything I fucking want. <clears throat> so Bean and Haysbert decide to continue on, but no, you know Charlie Sheen's the crazy one, you know who also decides that what he's going to do is show up at the wedding later, you know, like every. Everything is absolutely okay. And then they get called away, and then they, they, they play military man, and then they go through this entire uh, rigmarole of saving these airmen, and then they come back, and when they're on, they're, they're on their little you know, R&R deployment, they're playing golf, and then you have this montage of shit. Where you know it's it's they're playing golf and polo and they're chasing each other and ramming each other you know in their golf carts and on top of that I gotta put this on pause because I want Joe. All right, so where where was I? All right, so <clears throat> the playing golf part. Yeah. So as they're playing golf and they're they're not volleyball. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the non it's so this is the the Top Gun version of Navy Seals. Yeah. Right. So they're doing the fucking polo. Playing, yeah, and they're playing all with they're, the boys. they're drinking. You know, the boys are back in town is playing. Oh god! But yeah. you know, and everyone's having a great time. But Michael Bean is thinking about what went wrong on that last mission. Yeah, and the whole thing that starts off this movie is a placard, this title card that says in 1962. Uh, and every time I see that, all I can think of is reading in the voice of the A Team. Yeah, you know, in 1962. Doom, doom. John doom, F. Kennedy doom, 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 signed a declaration, doom, doom, doom. you know, creating the Navy SEALs. Yeah. Well, he didn't. That's a fucking, that's an out-and-out out lie. Okay. The Navy SEALs were created during World War II, and their primary job was to go underwater to get mines, disarm mines, and, you know, uh, all this other shit. Since, hence the origin of the name. Like, like it, that makes sense because SEALs. Correct. So, and, well, SEAL means sea, air, land. That's kind of where it came. That's, that's moving forward, it, it right. became sea, air, land. But right? it fits, you know what I mean, the underwater shit. But if you look up the history of the Navy SEALs, which I have, because uh-huh. I love those guys. Those guys are fucking awesome. Oh, just watching the movie G.I. Jane. Holy shit. If they, yeah, well, if they do even half the shit that they did in that movie, I'm like, holy fuck, dude. Yeah, well, it's Hollywood. <laughs> but if you look up the origins of the Navy SEALs, it's even more spectacular because those guys would have to go in the water with fucking blowtorches uh-huh. and repair pipes. Oh yeah, and all this shit underwater and, welding. Yeah. Oh my god, it, it, the the shit that they had to do was just 
outrageous. So they were more than just soldiers. They were handymen. Oh, God, yeah. So Extreme handymen. Yeah, and so eventually they just became a special forces. Yeah. Uh, a group. Because they, they needed all these qualifications, right? What do you mean? Well, to be a Navy SEAL, you need a shitload of qualifications. So that's why you know they, were, they ended up becoming a, their own special organization. Uh, yeah, yeah. Special skills. Sorry. Yeah, but mostly for killing people. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what they're for. They're 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 uh, search, rescue, and hostage. Yeah, for the, for the fake Bin Laden. So I got, I got it. Right, right. So this whole movie ends up with, of course, you know, Dennis Haysburg's character dies because he has a love interest. Yeah, and that's how it always is in the fucking in these eighties movies. Yeah. And then did they show the love between them before they happened? Always, too? always. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I oh. really love you. Hey, but you got a job to do, so go do your job, and I'll be here waiting for you. And then, and then you have um, <laughs> Michael Bean's character who dies. You yeah. have Joanne Wally Kilmer, who plays Michael Bean's ex-wife, and she is instrumental in in this whole plot of some shit that's going on. This is so weird. I fucking turn my fucking I turn my brain off when I watch this. That shit, is so. so weird. Like. How often is Joanne Wally Kilmer brought up? And I brought up fucking Willow earlier. I don't think it was on this show, but it was either while we were doing Venture Brothers or we were outside talking. But I brought up Willow. I know, we were outside talking. Yeah. And (laughs) fucking weird because she's not in anything else. I don't recall ever seeing her in anything else other than fucking Willow. And then there she is. She's in a ton of other fucking movies. I know. But you understand the, 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 the oddity of it all. Yeah, no. Kind of creepy, man. <sighs> Coincidence. Creepy. Anyways, this whole movie sucks. <laughs> the bottom There's line. There's a reason why it made only $25 million on a budget of 21 It was released in uh, 1990. I thought it was a hit. I didn't. I, I, no, bro. I, I, I did see. see this at the theater. Did you? Yes, I did. I saw this at the theater because two reasons. Yeah. A, fucking Bill Paxton. Yeah. Right? Bro, it's fucking, it's, it's a bro movie. Yeah, it's it's the Top Gun of Navy SEALs, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how they pitched it. Well, yeah, but well, yeah. The soundtrack, because it's got one of my favorite bands in it, Mr. Big. Okay. So and then they they did a couple of songs, but um, just to be with you. No. <laughs> just fuck with you. <laughs> no, fuck that <laughs> fucking song. I know it's their only like, like, like that's their big fucking contemporary single. Yeah, their pop hit. That's that's their only hit. Yeah, their pop hit. As he rolls his eyes, <laughs> um, this the screenwriter trained the Navy SEALs way movie yeah. for Chuck Fair. The same rules apply in Hollywood, military Hollywood. You learn to adapt and survive, or else, yeah, whatever. I was twelve years old when this came out, and I remember why I did not see this movie in theaters. Because it sucked. No, no, no. It was because I at this time I was normally going to the movies all the time. I would on the weekends I'd get dropped off with my friend and we'd stay all day and watch shitload of movies. But in the summer of 1990, I, w- I I don't know what the fuck it was. I had some kind of fat boy depression or something and I st- I stayed in the house. I barely even fucking bathed. I didn't go out. And so I missed the summer of sequels because I, the, the summer of 1990 was the summer of sequels. I don't think there was more sequels ever been released than there was in the summer of 1990. You had fucking everything. You had Die Hard 2. You or Die Harder. You know, you had another 48 hours. You had you had Gremlins 2, the new batch. There was there's a shit ton of fucking sequels. Anyway, I missed all of them. Every single total recall, all that shit. Okay. We get and, it. Fuck you. And so 
I missed all that shit, and I missed Navy the third Seals. time. The third time that you have to repeat yourself. We get it. You fucking missed them, and then you saw Navy Seals. Okay, and and I missed it. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Navy Seals origins. Yes, the modern day U.S. Navy Seals can trace their. Hurry the fuck up! I'm tired of hearing about this. I don't. At least I don't <laughs> fucking repeat myself, and then if I lose my place, go back and start reading again from the beginning of the sentence. The United States Navy recognized the need for a covert reconnaissance of landing beaches and coastal defenses. As a result, the Amphibious Scout and Raider School was established in 1942, not in 19-fucking-62. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, I, I didn't learn until years after seeing Braveheart that that movie's not historically accurate. Yeah, well, when you put something up if in 1990 that says, hey, this happened... And in 1962, blah, 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 blah. Come on, bro. Navy SEALs movie. Let's see if it actually has the opening. Opening scene. Oh. Says, oh, okay. <laughs> Did it skip over it? Do, 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 do. Shibby, 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 shibby. I may have fucking skipped over it. If I've seen, and I think I did see Navy SEALs when it came out on home video, on videotape. But that, that's how long it's been since I've seen it. Because I, I remember the way it was advertised. They advertised it like it was this big fucking hit. I didn't know the movie was... It just broke even. Which means it lost money. For the most part. Right. I don't know about home video. How well it did on that. I, you know what? Did you ever see Act of Valor? No. I watched the first 30, 40 minutes of that movie. I never went back and finished it. I fell asleep watching it. Not because I, I was bored by the action. I was just It was late night. But I never had an interest to go back to it. I, I remember that it, all the all the actual tactical shit they do in it is fucking amazing. But the dialogue, because they use real Navy SEALs that had no acting experience, so it was all the all the acting scenes were very dry and very boring, and there was no there was no soul to it. It just it was complete contrast to the action. Uh-huh. So I, I, so the only Navy SEALs, you know thing off the top of my head that I can think of is The Rock, you know, from 1996 or, oh, right. or Executive Decision with Steven Seagal's character who dies which is fucking amazing because they made it look like he was going to be in the whole movie. Good marketing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, we're not going to make it. So, And then what else? There was this Navy Seals and G.I. Jane. Off the top of my head, those are the fucking Navy SEAL movies that I remember. Right. And G.I. Jane from me being naive at the time, I believe that when you saw G.I. Jane and oh hey, it's a it's a Jerry Bruckheimer movie that this is going to be authentic as possible, right? So all the events that happened in G.I. Jane where she's doing all the SEAL training, you know, with the bell and the fucking the washouts and all that shit, that's what they do. They that's all the shit that they do, and she was strong enough to handle all that shit. You know, the sleep deprivation and all the the weight and all that stuff. I, I you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I just took it. it it's the young naivete, man. It's the you take take it at its face value. What they say, right? It, anyway, so apparently, because GI Jane got fucking ripped, it was like up for Razzies, like a shit ton of Razzies. I like that movie. It's not a good movie. I liked I like GI Jane. I liked Viggo Mortensen. I thought he was a great character. He played her uh, her DI or whatever, her commanding officer, right? Or whatever. But I don't. I don't. All I know is Hollywood. In the 90s, maybe this is just me, okay? But it seemed like in the mid-90s, mid 
till near the end of the 90s, Hollywood or critics had a fucking problem with Demi Moore. Everything that she was in, they fucking railed on. Right. Um, I think Disclosure got decent reviews, but other than that, um, uh, The Scarlet Letter, G.I. Jane, Striptease. Striptease is fucking hilarious. That is a goofy- I thought Striptease was funny. Yeah. Um, I guess it's not a good movie. You but- hit me. You try to hit me with an axe. Yeah. <laughs> but the fuck. But I mean, come on, bro. The fucking Burt Reynolds in that movie, hilarious. Yeah. Okay. What is that? It's Vaseline. I can feel it squishing in between my toes. His whole body. Fucking has his. Body. He has his his assemblyman or whatever. His his assistant go and steal the fucking lint out of her dryer just so he had her essence to breathe in. Right. That's fucking hilarious. Okay. Anyway. It seemed like everything that she was in, they fucking railed on. I, I could see some things, but I remember watching The Scarlet Letter. That wasn't a bad movie. Gary Oldman was fucking awesome in it as always. Why are we on this? Um, G.I. <laughs> Jane, that's why. Uh, so I they I, I just I figured that it was them being on an anti-Demi Moore kick, and that's why G.I. Jane got such bad ratings. Yeah, anti-Demi Moore. I haven't seen, seen G.I. Jane in like 15 years, though. All right. So- the whole, the whole opening title thing. I actually, I still have. I think I still have Navy Seals on DVD. That's not on here, huh? No, it's fucking stupid. Fucking so, retard. it says you know 1962 John F. K. John F. K. Yeah, you said it. You J- said John F. K. I fucking heard you say it. J. F. K. <laughs> created the Navy Seals. Then it, it's not. It's absolutely not true. And I fucking hate that shit when Hollywood does that to try to pull the wool over your eyes, make it more make dramatic. You, yeah. You know, and then you have Charlie Sheen as this, like I said, as this crazy guy who literally jumps out of a jeep while they're driving on the fucking bridge to yeah. Long Beach. In you know, because you know he's out. He's he he doesn't want to deal with Dennis Haysburg getting married. Why would you want to get married, bro? Why would you want to do this? Why would you want to do that? You know, m- marriage is for suckers. He he he. I mean, even our captain is not married anymore. He got divorced from that bitch, yeah. right? You know, <laughs> and it it just goes on that way. It's like this: you have a military team that's made up of a bunch of fucking idiots, you know, that don't take their job seriously, or th- their job isn't that serious because they in between in between this job stuff, in between killing people and whatever else, which you know, oh, we got to kill people, kill people, kill people. Yeah, you know, we then we party. What? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, this is a serious fucking group of people. Yeah. You know, and I know they need time to calm 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 down and all that shit. Yeah, I I I know military people fucking, you know, uh friends and family and all this other stuff. Yeah. And yeah, they like to fucking t- tie one on. I get it. But not not when they're on call. Yeah. You know. No, no, their shit's mm. super serious and tight. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, <laughs> you know what's funny is I, I know we're past the Hitman's Bodyguard, and I'm not going to talk anymore about the movie. But there's a lot of people we didn't even fucking bring up. <laughs> we didn't bring up really the female characters at all. Uh, we don't need to. That movie sucked balls. Uh, yeah. well, I didn't suck balls, but it was. They, look, I'm I'm of the mind that I would rather just talk about the shit that we don't like. Yeah. And and just leave the shit. If a, if a movie sucks, let's just talk about the shit we don't like. Uh-huh. And then if a movie's good, we talk about it all. Yeah, 
We'll just leave it at that. This movie, Navy SEAL sucks, and it sucks for three reasons. The beginning, the middle, and the end. That's <laughs> it. it. Everything about that movie is awful except for Michael Bean's character, which I loved. Yeah. Bill Paxton, who dies. Mm. He died in real life too, Mike. And I'm trying to think of a third one. I really can't think of a third one. Do you know one. his last movie? you know what his final film was? There's also Sherry Headley's uh, Weird Science or, or Glenn, Headley, Glenn Headley's final film as well, The Circle, with Tom Hanks holding the fucking cup like Steve Jobs. Yeah, and Emma Watson. Really? That was their that was it, their final film. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Swear to God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck you. Until the next Bill Paxton movie comes out. Whatever. I, I, maybe I just I, dude. It's not the last movie. If if they die during the year and they say it's their last movie. They usually have like three or four in the can. Well, so far, I'm saying that right now it's his last, final film. They, they, that's what it says on Wikipedia and all that shit. Yeah, just because I can believe Wikipedia. The internet is full of facts. <laughs> and opinions, yes. I got it from the internet. <laughs> I got it from school books and the internet. Hey, what if all these movies, we didn't even really see these movies. What if they were really something else? Like what? I don't know. Maybe the internet's lying to us. Shut up. <laughs> All right. So. Fucking weirdo. Oh, thank you. All right. Let's go, Rick. I was going. I, I looked up Navy SEALs. I swear to God, I thought I was on Hulu, and it's not. I was going to put on that fucking intro, but. Probably on fucking. It's not on Netflix. not on Hulu. Netflix. Probably on uh, on demand or something. I don't know. I don't give a shit. <sighs> so, lastly, a couple tidbits. Are you excited? No. For the sequel to Boo. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he, took off, he took off his earmuffs. <laughs> that was the straw. That was the straw that broke the Michael's back. <laughs> oh, man, ain't no goat gonna get me. <laughs> Dude, we fucking... All right, I'm gonna tell you this, because I know I'm a little off mic. Uh, I'm gonna tell you this. I laughed. I, I was sitting... In the fucking theater when that when that goddamn trailer came on for Boo Two, and I laughed more at that than most of Hitman's Bodyguard. Yeah, it, just because it, there's one point where the dude's running. Yeah, like just like like a get out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> God damn it! I, it just look. I don't. I don't want to see the movie now. Last year when the when the other one the first one came out, there was a moment where I I wanted to see it just to see how fucking dumb it was gonna be. This time around, I do not want to see this movie at all. It is it is a fucking parody version of it looks like I know what you did last summer, but with Medea and company. I I don't want to fucking see it. I don't. I swear to God I don't. Just that trailer, just oh how now. It's just so fucking stupid. She sticks his hand in his face. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. <laughs> all right, so anyway, uh <laughs> so Toby Hooper died. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what the shit? We both finally saw the end of a of a season of a show at the same time. Not like, oh, I'm an episode behind, so we can't talk about. It. We actually both saw the season seven finale of Game of Thrones. Oh my god! Why are we talking about Game of Thrones? I don't know. Did, did you like it? Was it eventful? It was okay. I like the blue flamage, man. That's fucking badass. God damn. They're, they're spending so much time on the production value of this show that now it's going to take forever for the final season to show up. But like I said before, man, it sucks having to wait for it, but if they do it right, then now what's the point of complaining if they do it right? Sure. 
So right now they haven't fucked it up. You know, I, there was all these things that people were getting on about like, oh, George R. R. Martin hasn't even watched all the episodes yet. Okay, what do you do? I, he still has some kind of creative input in all this. He gives them, you know, tells them about stuff and which way they should maybe go with, the, you know, the character directions and, and other things like that, right? Because he's still like, what, two books behind finishing it all? No, he just released one of them. All right, well, anyway, he's got, I, I heard he's got like one or two books still left to write, so. He has one. Anyway, anywho. He already told you already like you well you talked to me off mic about you know he's you know he 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 put his faith in the right guys when they came to him wanting to you know pit, when they pitched it you know doing the show mm-hmm. and he was like yeah these fucking guys know they they got it they they get it so anyway uh, bravo I, I like Game of Thrones man it, it's one of those shows where I liked it from the get go but it has become one of those movies that has replaced shit like. Or it was shows, I'm sorry, that has replaced like what your favorite stuff is. Like I love Game of Thrones now more than I love Walking Dead. You know. Walking Dead, I've always seen problems with it, but I always loved it more than anything else. Now, I, I'd rather watch Game of Thrones than fucking Walking Dead. That's amazing to me. As I didn't think I'd get to that point. You know? Um, but yeah, it's it's weird how you can transfer shows. Like, you know, I was a big fan of The Shield, right? And then The Shield ended, the same season that The Shield ended is when I believe uh Sons of Anarchy and Justified started, or Justified started like a year later, but Sons of Anarchy started at the same time, and you were like, fuck it, I transferred over to Sons of Anarchy, and then I was, I was like a huge Sons of Anarchy fan for like three three years, I think, until it became like a male soap opera, and then it got, you know, lost its, lost its, you know, effect, even though I kept watching, and then I went on to Breaking Bad being my favorite show, right? So, anyway, Game of Thrones is fucking badass, and, you know, keep going on. That's, that's it. I like it. I like season. it. One more season. Yeah, one more season. It's like <laughs> the predictions are it's like either a year and a half to two years away. So, oh, yeah. whatever. Fuck it. And like I said, they do it right, and the guess is worth the wait. So, uh, do you – I don't know if you really want to get into this. I, I, I wanted to talk about it earlier, but now it feels kind of long-winded with it. I, um, Ed Screen, who played Ajax in Deadpool, uh, he signed on to play a character named uh, Major Ben – Damiel. Demayo. Demayo. Damiel. I don't know how you would say it because it's Japanese. The character's Japanese from um, the BPSRD or whatever the fuck it's called. I can't remember. BPRD. It's related to Hellboy in one way or another. Anyway, he was going to play that character in the new Hellboy movie, the, the Hellboy reboot. And he took to Twitter or whatever and he made a statement about stepping down from it out of respect for for um minority characters and and the and and characters that were already made to be a certain way um you know sticking with that and all that stuff i you know this one's a tough one because at first when i first heard it i just thought oh he's just he's white guilting it right he's stepping away because he's he feels that white guilt or whatever and and you know oh i don't want to be that guy right right but then when i read more about it this one might might be an exception and my point about it is is that the character is inherently Japanese. He's got a Japanese mother, or I think his mother or grandmother is a very important Japanese character. Um, you know, maybe keep it that way. You know, that, that's fine. But I will... But there, there's those other times, though, that this it's bullshit, where the Americanization of certain properties is more of what people are calling whitewashing instead of calling it what it is, the Americanization of something. I'll give you an example without going into detail, just the outside look of it. Death Note. 
Okay. Death Note is an Americanization of a Japanese property. Okay. All right. First a manga, then a uh, an anime. Manga. Manga. <laughs> manga, manga. And it's okay that they change characters when they brought it over to America. I, I don't see a problem with it. Now, if you had... Wait, 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 wait. What was what 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 have we steadfastly said since we started this podcast? What it's not okay to inherently change characters. Yes, what I'm saying is when they Americanize it, if they're going to bring it over to America, which means it's in a completely different place, right? Doesn't matter. Okay. Anyway, I just I wholeheartedly disagree with what you're saying because <laughs> if you're going to bring if it, anything, I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. If you're going to bring something over from another country, and you're going to create something based off of that particular IP, uh-huh. okay, then you better be fucking one hundred percent truthful to that, or don't do it. Okay, like for example, do you remember uh, Tilda Swinton's character as the Chosen One in Doctor Strange? How they changed the the appearance of the character from. Asian to to you know a white actress playing her playing playing the chosen one right you you but you say that I remember you stating before that as long as it's a side character who doesn't you know have a whole lot of uh, I don't know history or whatever that it's okay to do that with now for me there's just certain things that I, I don't I don't really see the problem it's I, what I see is this if you have say a black character a black actor play a character it's perfectly fine that they play someone completely different. Like say when Nick Fury, when the you know comic book makers changed Nick Fury from a white guy to, to to actually Samuel Jackson, they actually went to Samuel Jackson and asked to change it to him. Okay. Uh, well, no, they didn't. But okay. I I read about it, man, fucking multiple times over the years. But so <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is is oh man, I had a fucking point and I I totally just went away from it. The character of Light in the new Death Note movie is played by a white kid. I think it's a white kid. Anyway, his adversary in it, Nemesis, is a character named L. L is in the, also in the in the manga and the in the anime is Asian, but in the movie done by Netflix, he's played by a black guy. No one's complaining about L. People are only complaining about Light. Light being played by a white guy. That's my problem with it. No one seems to have a problem with changing the race of a character unless it's a white person that's doing it. My idea of whitewashing something is when it's intentional whitewashing. Whitewashing to me is Exodus Gods and Kings. When you have all of these Egyptian characters played by Egyptian actors, but then the main characters are played by white guys, that's whitewashing to me. But this is not whitewashing. This is to me this is Americanization. Okay. I don't like you can't have it both ways. You can't Americanize something that has a huge following and expect it to be accepted. That's why Ghost in the Shell didn't work. Uh, and that's look- why Akira's not going to work. That's why everything that's been taken from Japanese yeah. cartoons yeah. and turned into an American version of whatever doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree for the most part. It's, but like, see, when I when it's the actual labeling term of whitewashing. When now, let's say if Death Note was set in Japan like it like it originally was, but then you had the main character of Light being played by a white guy then as a white guy over there, so that it could be more connectable to American audiences or something. 
that would be whitewashing to me. Does that Why? make sense to you? No, it doesn't. If if they originally make it as a white guy, it's not whitewashing. That's not how the term works. It's not how any of it works. How does it work, Mike? It's by taking a character that is obviously of a culturally different descendant uh-huh. than a white American, Anglo. Yeah. Such as Tilda Swinton's character from Doctor Strange. Okay? Yeah. While that worked is not popular because that character is supposed to be Asian. Yeah. Okay? The same thing with any other any other character that you put into a movie and you continually change. Or even better, by combining multiple characters into a character that never existed. Yeah. And generally multiple characters tend to be of color into a character of white color. Okay. Or lack of. But my point being is you can't Americanize something. I'm sorry. You can't create something in a country of original value or original IP, okay? And have the characters, and, and when you create that, you have these characters that are black and white and this and that and the other thing and say that that's whitewashing. doesn't work that way. Whitewashing is the opposite. Uh-huh. It's taking an already created character and turning him that that is not American and then turning him into an American. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I went way I went way too long on that one, but my my point being is Joe's not wrong. You know, I I just disagree. It's just I, it's like the I I I disagree inherently with the idea that this this whole thing of Americanizing something yeah. is not good. It just doesn't work. Oh, and look, and I just because I call it Americanization doesn't mean I agree with it. I'm just saying that that's what it is. It's Americanizing it, you know. And for the most part, does it? I mean, does it matter a whole lot if it's if a bunch of characters or? Yes. I think if it's okay for all these other guys to be able to do it, then this this side over here should be able to as well. Uh, no. See, I disagree. Again, it's inherently changing something to fit into a society that doesn't it doesn't need to happen. They always do this. Everybody, every one of these fucking people that takes these great ideas, these great shows, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It could be fucking Rick and Morty, yeah. okay? Because it's eventually going to happen. They take these whatevers, TV shows, movies, books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The Seventh Son, we'll even just, we'll just go with that. Something as simple as that, okay? And they're not American, Okay, these these books yeah. that you know, this, like the Seventh Son or Death Note or you know what you just plug in whatever, yeah, whatever foreign piece of of art, film or animation or whatever, yeah. minus Harry Potter because everybody can agree that they nailed it with Harry Potter. Yeah. Okay, but I'm talking about the ones that haven't and taking those characters. Not not just the ones that are in it, but adding characters that don't need to be added or combining characters that don't need to be combined because they're just too lazy to fucking write what those other characters, you know, they, they yeah. char- you know there's four characters, but we're going to combine them and make a whole new character and then make them the main player. Yeah. Fuck off. Look, stop being lazy. The studios need to stop being involved with this shit. Mm-hmm. Let the writers do their thing. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then you'll understand. And unfortunately, I have already seen a couple of things with Death Note. And 
the overwhelming response is go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's what the overwhelming response is. And now, and, which and will be our next movie that we we talk about on the show? Yeah, exactly. And I've already seen all the negative about it. And look, I'm going into Death Note not knowing anything. Yeah, you've never seen the uh, the anime, right? It's well, 20, I I don't I haven't seen much of the anime. It's 27 episodes that I'm aware of, but um, right, I, I don't know enough about it to be an expert. All I know is what I'm going to see. It's been so long since I've seen it. I I don't remember a whole lot. I remember I liked it a lot, but I've only seen it once. Right. So, but I we'll get into it. We'll get into Death Note and all that stuff because I I did not. I'm not going to rewatch the the cartoon series, the anime uh, series before seeing the movie. So. I'm not even going to waste my time doing that shit. So, but I do know a little bit about the source material without doing any research because I remember a few things. So, I you know what? It's kind of hard too. It's like where do you draw the line? Like, I mean, if you're doing a a re like. <clears throat> When you're doing a remake or an American version of of something that's already been done somewhere else, where do you draw the line with with who you cast as an as a as an actor in there? Um, I'll, for an example, uh, like were you okay with uh, Scarlett Johansson playing the major in in Ghost in the Shell? Because yeah, but there's there's her, a reason for that because her character was originally Japanese, right? Well, no, the character the major was designed uh, to be. A neutral white person. Yeah. Okay. In in the manga, but they made a big fucking deal out of it. Right. And anyway, but like, okay, so you, you take an American version of a popular um, Chinese Chinese film, like for example, Inherent Vice. Inherent Vice was remade as The Departed by Martin Scorsese back in two thousand six, and it was an all white cast for the most part, right? None of them were Asian, so does that make it okay? Ah, remake. That's the argument right there. All right, well, because I mean, dude, I mean, the death, dude, Death Note movies have been made over there. There's, there's, there's fucking, there's Japanese live action Death Note movies. There's, uh-huh. that's in Japan though. Okay, talking about taking a property, so to, I mean, and, and 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 doing it justice by keeping true to the characters. Martin Scorsese, The Departed. Yeah. You've never heard anybody complain about the fact that this is a remake. Mm-hmm. Okay, in fact, it gets praised. Yeah. Because one's best picture. Because Martin Scorsese was faithful to the original story. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. These these fucking others these other fucking people are not faithful to the story. They're just taking it because it's a good idea, and then you know taking some of the visuals, rearranging a couple of things, and and turning it into. They're fucking robotecking it. This is what they're doing. Okay. <laughs> this is the this will be the new word, okay? This is when you take a foreign property and adjust it so that way it fits your vision and not the vision of the people that originally made this show. Robotech yeah. was uh, was a TV series back in the 80s. Yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I wasn't a huge fan. I was into Voltron more. Right. Same difference. The Lion Voltron. Yeah, Lion Everyone's in the yeah. line of Ultra. Who fucking wants the cars? I hated the space one. I fucking hated it. So you have <laughs> you have Robotech, which originally was called Macross, and it was it was ultimately changed because of a vision that Carl Masick had. Okay, this is the way he wanted to do it, and he took like three different OAVs, original animated videos. Okay, or yeah, original animation video, and combined them into one story. Okay, okay. And that became Robotech. 
And that's basically what's going on here. And he edited them to, you know, combine the stories and new soundtrack and voiceovers and this and that. Blah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So that's what they're doing. That's what they do with foreign stuff. They take what Carl Masick has done, and then they bring it over here, and then they quote-unquote Americanize it, like you said. Mm -hmm. And then they throw it out there, and and people people love that shit Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. When I'm on a fucking forum that says, you know, name an actor that has never made a bad movie, and the first reply is Adam Sandler, there's your audience. Yeah. So it's going to happen. It's, it's inevitable. When they make an American version of Attack on Titan, okay? Right. Do you think that all the characters should be played by Asian actors? Or that it's okay if they use American actors who are a mix of all the colors of the rainbow? Well, that's a good question. See, that's the part I'm, I'm trying to get at. Is that's, that's where do you draw the line? You know what I mean? That's the hard part. Like that's and it goes all the way back to Ed Screen. Is he doing it because of white guilt and and social white shaming, or is he doing it because it's actually truly like he feels that 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 part should go to an Asian actor? You know? I don't know, bro. That's, I don't know about that. I mean, is the is the character is the character important? Here's my the- answer for Attack on Titan. Yeah. You can't inherently change the characters, which I've said all mm-hmm. along. So if the characters are Japanese, they have to be Japanese. It's that simple. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I get you. I, Me, I would say that it, you can't change them if there is a cultural significance to the character. For example, um, Black Panther. You can't change Black Panther. Like that's an Black Panther shame. is from Wakanda. It's a fictional fucking country, but still, it's an African country, and he's black, and everyone around him is black. They're African, okay? You it's the same with the ta- Attack on Titan characters, though. They're they're from an Asian land. It was like, a, well, that one might be a bad example because I think there's like a mixture of of European into it too, or some shit. I don't know. I can't remember, but still, it. You wouldn't it, look if you change the characters in Black Panther. That's wrong. That would be that would definitely would be whitewashing, and also uh, whatever else you want to call it. That would be I would see that would be racist casting if you change them. They have to be black. That's what it is. You know, Ulysses Claw. Would it be okay if Ulysses Claw played by Andy Serkis, if his character, even though he's white or whatever in the in the comic book, if they changed him also to a black actor? No. Okay. You can't inherently change characters. So then, pretty much for the for the for anything, then it, you it doesn't matter how much cultural significance they have at at, at all. It doesn't matter if it's a lot or a little. Don't change the race of the characters. Are you saying correct? Only if you can find a a, a loophole way to do it, like what they did with Scarlett Johansson in in Ghost in the Shell. Correct. All right. All right. There you go. I know your stance on it. All right, and that makes sense. So, I just don't like it when. People don't do it for the right reasons. And Ed Screen walking away looks like he's doing it for the right reason. It's just, at first glance, it was me doing the, you know, I'd like to stay out of politics because politics, all it does is separate us, you know, and segregate us. But, you know, when I first hear him saying he's doing this, it's because I feel like he's doing the white, you know, he's been white shamed into doing it. You know, like, oh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter says that you're supposed to feel bad for being a white person, you know. So that's why you should have done it. You know, instead of you doing it because it's the right, actual right thing to do. I don't know if he's doing it for the right thing, but I think he's doing it because it's the right idea. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Does that make sense? Kind of, yeah, 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 I I get it. So, 
what he says in his statement, he, it was like three different twi- you know tweets or whatever, but it, it made sense. I think he explained it a little too much, but it it he he made his point. I think so. At first, I had a problem with it at quick glance, but then reading more into it, you know what? He he might be right. He he might be right. You know, maybe quit doing this shit. Right. You know, first it didn't seem like that big of a deal, but it, this is the reason why I see a hypocrisy with it. No one complains that L is being played by Haley Steinfeld or whoever his name is. He was the guy that fucking you know loses it at the party and get out. Um, they had no problem with him playing this character. You know, playing. You know, but oh, everyone's complaining about the white guy in it. They're calling it whitewashing. So, what they're saying is this: they're saying it's okay to change a a, a character's cultural um, background to a different race as long as that person that they that's replacing them isn't white. That's what I have a problem with. Is that reverse discrimination? No, or whatever you want to call it, reverse racism. How about that? Sure, reverse <laughs> reverse racism. That's reverse what I have a problem with. I believe in equality, okay? If it's not okay to change a character's cultural background for a white guy, it shouldn't be that way for anyone else either. You have to have everyone treated fairly, equally. And I know you. anyone there's listening, some of them can go off into, oh, well, the system is more against this and then that. That's fine. And I don't disagree with that shit. But you still have to inherently treat everyone the same. And when it comes to this, you have to treat everyone the same. It's not okay, like I said. It's not okay for one race, but then not another. It doesn't, no, don't do it. Just don't do it at all. That's it. That's it and that's all. <laughs> I'm moving out. Yes, you are. <laughs> Angry white cracker, out. All right. So you got anything else added this week's uh, fun, fun-filled no, you, episode? You fucking, no. I, you know ruined what? It. You've I'm ruined s- the entire podcast. I'm sorry that, <laughs> that it took me forever to get to that point, but when I first started talking about the Ed Screen thing, I... Got lost in my own, my own, I almost said my own bullshit. I I got lost in my own like idea of what I was gonna do about this, and then finally it took forever, but I finally was able to come around and get to my point with it because I lost, I forgot what my fucking point was. All right, I really sound intelligent on this shit, don't I? Fuck you, Mike. Shut up. All right, let's end this. All right. All right. <laughs> so, like I said, next movie we will be talking about, of course, on uh, Cinescape movie reviews. Good lord, man! Fucking exposition. Death Note. White, yes. Whitewash edition. The next, the next fucking movie we're seeing is Death Note. <laughs> All right, so I'm Joe. You're you. Don't ever change. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Crowded house. All right. Yeah, don't ever change. All right. Catch y'all on the flip side. All right. Bye bye bye. Good show, jolly good show, jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. This is the Cinescape Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening to the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email us or tweet us. My handle is at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. My handle, that's what I call it, my handle. You can tweet me at, you can send me a tweet at. Tweet me at, you can follow me, fuck off, all right. Yeah, follow, you can you know, follow me or tweet me at, send a tweet to. All right. Follow. Follow would be better. You can follow me on tweet, Twitter. You can Twitter me. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. And for me, it is at. What about you? MPS 5150 because I make it easy. Yeah, you do. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And please remember, share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah. Yes. All you what do button? It- 
The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless, it's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put we do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should. But still, all you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We prefer Facebook, but, you know. Spread the love. Help us grow. Spread the love, and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls? <laughs> open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> shower, yeah. Share, share the, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. Give her some love. I sound like little Nick. <laughs> Have a good night. This is the end. This is the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Argo, fuck yourself.